0: Thank you, and Happy New Year. You know, I don't know if it's new habits or new resolutions, or I like, Pastor Terry, new covenants, but I am a fan of new. I like new things. I like old and familiar things, too. I like some of those consistent things in my life. But I I love new things. I love opportunities for new seasons. I think that we all need opportunities for new seasons, for fresh starts, for recharge moments. And the new year is just kind of a, a great corporate opportunity to do some new things. And so, you know, I would just encourage you, look for what the Lord wants to do new in your life, and that's really the source of it, right? You know, we've, uh, we've kind of emailed out and videoed out and, and messaged out, and you'll hear more in the next couple weeks about different opportunities, whether that's through, you know, doing a Bible reading plan this year, joining the church and fasting these next couple of weeks towards Renew Conference or, you know, some other things that we'll offer to you. Why do we give all those things to you? Because I know and I, I believe that your flourishing is connected to your experience of God in your life. In fact, that's why we say as a church that we exist to help people flourish through knowing Jesus. And you know, my uh, my wife took uh, one of our daughters to get her nails done yesterday. I can't explain all of what happened in that salon, because apparently there are a lot of different things that can happen with your nails. All I know is the nails looked good afterwards. My daughter was excited. It was a great experience, but, um, and I paid for it. But all that to say, uh, you know, the nails were new, but my wife told me afterwards, she's like, we were sitting next to this lady who came in, and she had some sort of kind of, I don't know, I used to think you just painted nails. Apparently, there's all sorts of gels and glues, and lacquers and other things that require extreme levels of paint thinner to remove from your hands, I don't know. But there was a lady in there that had a, had, a, had a fair set of whatever on her fingers, and she's like, no, I need it all off, I need everything gone, I need everything removed, and I want a brand new set, I need a fresh start this year. And I thought, you know what, that is, that is interesting, don't we all feel that way sometimes, and I don't know if nails does it for you. I hope, that, I hope that her nails were everything that she, you know, I'm thinking about trying it later, but um, you know, let me know next week what you think. And it, it, I don't know if that does it for you, but what I do know is that Jesus is always looking to, to create new things. He's always looking to create new things in our lives. And when we're open to what he wants to do, our lives are always in a creative mode in God's hands, that he's always bringing fresh things into our lives and birthing fresh life in our lives, and God loves to do that. But in order to do that, in order to experience that kind of flourishing, that life to the fullest, we have to know Jesus. And not just know about Jesus, we have to know Jesus. And think about what it means to know somebody, What does it mean to know someone? I mean, there's so many different aspects of relationship, and especially relationship with God. He's a little more dynamic than than your average person, right? But knowing Jesus begins simply. It begins with a simple conversation, right? And if you don't know Jesus today, then maybe today's a good day to start with that, that simple conversation, but for those of us that have had that simple conversation, we know it doesn't stop there, that Jesus wants to know you every day. He wants to know you through every season. And I think sometimes about the way that my relationship was, has changed with my wife over the years. You know, my relationship with my wife looks a little different now than it did when we were dating, right? In fact, in some ways, it's a lot more complicated now than it was when we were dating. We didn't have as many bills then. We didn't have as many responsibilities then. We didn't have as much life experience to worry about things we didn't know we should worry about yet then. Right? And so there were parts of that season that were fun and energizing, and, and our relationship looked one way, but then through different seasons of life, you know, dating to engagement to, to young marrieds to then married with kids to then married with a dad bod, you know, all those different seasons of marriage, they changed the relationship, right? They changed the relationship a little bit. And, and I have found, though, that there's something to be true in relationship that, that pursuit continues to be rewarding no matter what season of relationship you're in. I found that to be true in my relationship with my wife. I found that to be true in my relationship with my kids, with friends, and with the Lord for sure that as, as long as I pursue Jesus, there is no shortage of rewards in that relationship. It's an amazing thing about relationships. Even with people, there's this incredible capacity for it to continue to be rewarding as we pursue greater depth of relationship. We sometimes get tired of the pursuit and we want the rewards without the pursuit in human relationships and in our relationship with God. But the reward only comes with pursuit, and the pursuit is always worth it. And so my hope for you this year is that you will flourish Through knowing Jesus, through pursuing knowing him for the first time or pursuing knowing him more deeply, whether that's through a Bible reading plan or fasting or just committing to being at church every week or whatever the spiritual habits are that are going to be your pursuit of Jesus, pursue Jesus this year and look forward to the new things that he wants to do in your life. But I do want to start the year off right. I want to start the year off with asking this question, what's the key ingredient to our flourishing, what's the thing that God responds to us with when we pursue him? The key ingredient to relationship, to knowing Jesus, to flourishing in Jesus, is the same ingredient that that is true in every every relationship. In fact, it's one of the the top things that we talk about when we do pre-marriage counseling. It's one of the top issues that comes up when marriages are struggling. It's one of the top things that often determines the success of a business or the failure of a business. It's simply Communication, right? When human beings communicate, we do pretty well. When we don't communicate and we just react and and respond and run like machines or animals through life and through society and through everything else, we don't do very well. Communication is a unique gift that we have. It's an image of God kind of thing that we can articulate deep soul-felt needs, longings, and feelings, and we can actually hear those and understand them in other people, we are more than just our initial, you know, reactions and responses. And in, the, in our relationship with God, communication is just as important. In fact, probably more than we realize. Jesus made this incredible statement in two places in the Bible, but the one that he's more famous for is when he's having a showdown with the devil, and the devil is tempting him the way he tempts every human being. In Matthew chapter four, we see this, this picture of Jesus being tempted, <clears throat> excuse me, and one of the first temptations that, that the devil tries to use on Jesus is he tries to get Jesus to satisfy his deepest spiritual needs with physical solutions, right? Jesus is weary from his pursuit of God, and the devil says, well, why don't you just eat some food? In fact, Jesus, you're pretty magical. You're the son of God. Turn these rocks into bread. You can have a feast right here in the desert. And do you remember what Jesus says? Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8, verse, th- verse three, and he says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Think about the reality of that statement. Some of you that are, that are participating in our fast over these next couple weeks leading into Renew Conference, that's a great one to remind yourself of when you are feeling that hunger pang and you're like, I have to eat. Remind yourself, wait, I don't live just by bread alone. And what Jesus was saying there, and what Moses was teaching the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, is he was saying, hey, I know you, you have these physical needs that you feel, and they're on the front of what you think life is all about, but more than you actually need physical sustenance, you literally more deeply need God's voice in your life. You need God to speak to you. You need God's word saturated in your soul that the life that you can sustain with food is temporary, but the life sustained by God's word is eternal. And I think that, excuse me, again, scripture shows us that hearing God's voice is the key ingredient to our flourishing. That hearing his voice is the number one thing that you need to flourish this year. I want you to hear that. Hearing God's voice for yourself personally is the number one thing that you need this year. And what we celebrated this morning with communion is the reason that there is no obstacle other than your pursuit or lack thereof between you and hearing God's voice. Isn't that a shocking thing? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, there's no reason why you can't hear God's voice for yourself personally. It starts with the word of God for all people in scripture, but the Holy Spirit wants to lead you personally. He wants you to hear his voice. That's the key ingredient to your flourishing. Thank you. Um, but here's the, under, here's the thing that, that we, we see in scripture is that by God's word, God created everything that exists. If you started a Bible reading plan today, you probably read Genesis chapter one. And in Genesis chapter one, what does God say? He says, you know what? I think light's a good idea. Boom. God's words are powerful, creative, And everything in creation came from that, even to the point where God said, you know what, I think I should make a creature that is more than a creature. I wanna make something in my own image. I want them to be different enough, but the same. Let's go male and female, boom! And we read in the next chapter that God's like, let's scrape together some dust. (sighs) Humans. He speaks, he breathes us into life, right? We see in Romans chapter 10, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that our response to God is a response to God's word to us. Right, so not only are we given life by God's very words, we find restored life through faith because of God's words. Romans 12 says that we are transformed into a new creation, our minds are renewed by what, God's word. God's word renews our minds and our lives and our thinking. We see in Hebrews chapter 1, this is amazing. Hebrews 1 3 says that all things, everything in this universe right now, is sustained by Jesus' words. So if you think Jesus is bored in heaven, he's at least sitting up there and saying, Keep it going, keep it alive. Keep the universe working. Yes, sin broke it, but my voice is enough to sustain it, even though sin has brought death into it. Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. The bottom line is this, is that human life, including yours, human life is begun, sustained, and maximized through the words of a creator God. Your life was begun because God spoke. Your life still exists right now because God has spoke, don't let them die, though sin has entered the world. Your life will only be maximized as God's word saturates your soul. That's the way that, that's the power of God's word. And, and that, that whole idea is why Christians fast. It's why we pursue. It's why we, we seek habits and disciplines that get us more in contact with God's word because we believe that the more God's word is in our lives, the more that we will flourish. And that is true. And actually, there are testimonies of those who have been denied food or have fasted for long periods of time and yet have found God speaking so powerfully to them that their physical bodies did not suffer from the lack of food. We see that actually in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, we see an example of that, but we hear stories of that from the persecuted church and from missionaries around the world. And what I want you to understand is no matter how good you are at your New Year's resolutions, you cannot flourish without God's words at the center of your identity and your purpose. We see a culture in, in desperate need for a source of identity and a source of purpose, And and we see this in, in some healthy ways, like personality tests. We see this in unhealthy ways, like a pursuit of identity based on our sexuality or our gender or our political orientation or anything else. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter what your personality or your sexuality are, your identity will not be found in those things. It will only be found as your heavenly father speaks to you. Your identity is found in relationship to him. And your purpose cannot be found in a career or a college choice or the family that you grew up in. Your purpose will be found as you hear God's calling for you specifically. As you hear God saying, I've created you for this kind of role in the world. I've created you to do this and to be this. I've created you unique from every other human being, and I have a reason for that. But unless you hear it from the voice of your creator, you will never trust it, and it will not be spoken with enough authority to empower you through the difficult moments of your life. Everything that you are, everything that you do is meant to be rooted in the voice of a loving father and a creator king. Everything. And without his voice, we are easily distracted by plenty of other voices, aren't we? There's no shortage of voices in the world. Right? Whether it's the voice of a movement or the voice of, of, of entertainment or the voice of people in our lives, there are plenty of other voices. And what I have found is that I am pretty easily distracted by some of those other voices. Right? And, and when I listen to those voices, those voices have a certain power to transform me as well. Right? Have you ever gotten in the car and, and you decide to listen to some, some, something on talk radio or something like that and you got in the car and you were perfectly happy, but when you get out of the car, you're not happy anymore, right? Because whatever voice convinced you of something really wrong with the world, you are now angry about it. Now, there are some things in the world we should probably get angry about from time to time. That's not the point. The point is that voices have an impact on us. Have you ever run into somebody and the impact of that person on your life is consistently negative, that you walk away from interactions with that person? You always feel worse about yourself. You always feel more confused about your identity and your purpose in life. That's not a healthy voice to be directing your life. And spouses, if you're that voice in your spouse's life, change your voice before they change their spouse because we know that's not God's desire, right? And at the same time, we also know other voices that speak into our lives in certain ways that we walk away. And I hope the church is this for you. I hope that you may walk in and you may be depressed or discouraged or or confused or frustrated, and God speaks to you in in a moment of worship or he speaks to you through a part of the sermon or he speaks to you through the scripture that day, and you walk away with hope for life. You walk away with clarity. You walk away with a sense of conviction about what is right and wrong and what you need to do from there. Notice, so that those really healthy, life-giving voices are in some way, shape, or form always rooted in God, always rooted in God, affirming the identity and purpose that he has given you. So the, the question is not usually whether we want to hear God's voice, though, is it? Like, when I say that, you, you guys are like, hey, Caleb, we're at church on New Year's Day at the 915 service. Like, we want to hear God's voice, Right? And you know, there's something about getting up early in the morning, I do not understand it, but getting up, and this isn't that early, but getting up early in the morning to hear God's voice, when your brain isn't working, your spirit sometimes works better. I don't know why that is, it's just like, yeah, how about midday? But you know, Jesus loves to speak to those who seek his face, right? But the point is this, the question isn't usually whether we are interested in hearing God's voice. Even people that that are are not believers in Jesus, they're not believers of the Bible, if I just took a poll and said, who'd like to hear God's voice? Maybe even with a little bit of cynicism or sarcasm, they'd say, well, I I wouldn't mind hearing God's voice. Who does he sound like, James Earl Jones? I don't know. (laughs) I wanna hear God's voice. Like, people want to hear God's voice. The challenge is how? Because there's plenty of plenty of noise in the world. How do we hear God in the noise of a broken world? That's really the challenge that we have as Christians, isn't it? Because right now, for this brief moment of the week, uh, likely you will get to hear God's voice with very minimal interruptions, right? Cue somebody's phone going off. I feel it. No, just kidding. Likely, you'll get to sit here and and not have a tragedy, an emergency, a crisis, a, a work email if you're smart and turn your phone off for at least church, that you won't have something that calls you away from the voice of God. But we will all go back into life and we'll have people that need us and things that need our attention and cars will break down and houses will have issues and jobs will have needs and family will come up with things, right? We'll have plenty of noise. So how do we hear God's voice in the midst of all the noise? And that's my desire for you this year is that you would hear God's voice. That you would hear God's voice. I think it's God's desire for you, and though we've talked about a number of different spiritual habits that are healthy and help keep God's voice in our lives, I think that there is one that we see in Scripture that really brings all the rest of them to life. As I've studied this, and it's kind of been a new thing in my life, honestly, this last year, you know, I'm pretty new at the whole lead pastor thing, and I kind of got through the first year, year and a half, and I thought, okay, the church didn't die, that's, praise the Lord, you know, you're, most of you are still here. Some of you, hopefully, maybe we'll see you again. But, but all that to say, <clears throat> you know, I got through the first year and I thought, that, that was good, but man, I'm sure tired. How did, how did the last guy do this for 22 years? And you know, about this time last year, the Lord spoke to me, hey, Caleb, you don't need to learn how to do ministry. You need to learn how to do it sustainably. And I think for many of us in life, you don't need to learn how to do life. You know how to do life, but many of us don't know how to do it sustainably. How many of us, we crash land into a holiday like Christmas or New Year's, and it feels a lot more like pressure than it does like rest. It feels a lot more like a breakdown than it does like an enjoyable holiday. Right? We have a culture that is built on driving us into the ground physically Emotionally, financially—I mean, you don't get a minute past Christmas, and there's enough commercials about the stuff you didn't get for Christmas that you need, and you better work harder and spend more to get it, right? Or, you know, what's the common messaging? Like, you know, your body is not what it should be, and you need to work harder to get it. And for the next seven days, we all will. Just. (laughs) right we we have all these pressures that drive us but we don't have rest that summons us home and so many of our spiritual habits and disciplines just fall into that category of these things that are like whips cracking behind us and just driving us into the ground and that's not the way Jesus created us to live in fact do you remember what he saved the israelites from cracking whips do you remember what Jesus called sin in our lives he called it slavery and everything in this broken world is built on the devil's idea that he would like to enslave us in some way, shape, or form. And everything that Jesus did on the cross is meant to set us free from those slaveries, the many different varieties of slaveries that we sometimes willingly enter into, sometimes we're forced into, or raised into, or enculturated into. And Jesus came to set us free. And so. When we look at all the different habits that, hear us, that, that help us to hear God's voice, that help us to tap into that source of flourishing, the only source of real life in a broken world is God's voice, but how do we hear it? The, the r- subtle, beautiful answer throughout Scripture from beginning to end, from Genesis chapter two to the end of Revelation is Sabbath. And some of you were really excited, and then I said that word, and you're like, that's What you have for us today, Caleb? But think about it. Sabbath is taking a break from everything that can distract us from God in order to experience and enjoy him. How many of you think, man, I really need to enjoy God today? I really need to enjoy God this weekend. Did you know that that some of the greatest theologians in history came to the conclusion in the Westminster Catechism that the purpose of human life is that we would know God and enjoy him to the maximum. Isn't that kind of a crazy idea? Is that your impression of God that he created you so that he could have this deep relationship and you would be so, every longing in your soul would be so met by relationship with him that you would be overflowing with joy? Is that your experience of God? It's not my experience of religion, but when I get past my own little religions and I sit down with my father, it is that. It is overflowing joy. It's joy even sometimes when I come to him and say, Father, I've sinned, forgive me. Even then, his love fills me with joy. I'm like, why are you loving me right now? I'm dirty, I'm messed up, I screwed up, I knew better and I still did it. And he's like, but son, I saved you from that, I love you and I have the way to change you. And there's joy in relationship with God. We are meant to find joy in him, and there's this way of living life where everything around us actually helps us to enjoy God more, where the meals we eat are meant to help us enjoy God more, where the way that we engage in intimacy and human relationships, whether whether it's a a deep, meaningful conversation over a cup of coffee or making love to a spouse, those are supposed to lead us closer to God, not be something we step away from God for, Some of you are like just, you're caught in my PG-13 idea there for a second. (laughs) But the best parts of life are meant to be lifted as worship to God, not as something we're like, God, I got to take a break from you right now so I can go have fun. That's not the way it's meant to be. That's the way a lying culture enslaves us to false forms of joy that never satisfy us. And and yes, Sabbath is something that we all probably are aware of because of Jewish practice, Jewish tradition, Jewish law, but Sabbath is rooted in something way deeper than than Jewish law. Notice I said at the beginning of Genesis, in fact, we barely make it out of Genesis 1 where, where God is creating the world, and it says this in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, on the seventh day, remember six days of creation, on the seventh day God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And that word rest there is related to the word of for sabbath all throughout scripture. He sabbathed from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, set apart, special, sacred because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And was God resting because he was tired? No. He was resting because it's wise. He was resting because it's good. He was resting because, you know, God, he doesn't have a God, he is God. So God stops and enjoys the fruit of his labor and enjoys who he is. It sounds a little weird, but if you're God, it's the only option, right? So he stopped and he said, I'm gonna stop being so incredibly divinely productive. I mean, I created a universe in six days and I'm gonna stop and just watch and enjoy. I'm gonna enjoy this. And then after that, he said, that is such a great way to do things. I'm gonna make all of this creation work in that way. Six days of work, six days of productivity, six days of efficiency, six days of using your strengths and your talents to do whatever your hand and mind finds to do. And then one day to stop, stop productivity, stop problem solving and enjoy what good has come of it so far. Doesn't mean there's not more work to do. God had a whole human history to work on. He stopped. He stopped. God stopped working and enjoyed it. He set that rhythm apart as holy, as sacred, as special, meaningful. It became a law for Israel, but remember it was one of the Ten Commandments. And there are some of Israel's laws that were, were cultural and that Jesus fulfilled and then ended through his death and resurrection, but some of the other laws were moral, were ethical, and those continued on in Christian faith. And Sabbath was one of those things that Jesus practiced and so did the early Christians, though in a very different way than, than their Jewish heritage had done, right? Sabbath was a continued part of God's expectation for us, but somewhere along the line in Western civilization, we've lost the art of Sabbath. And we haven't just lost it, we've murdered it. We've made people feel guilty for it, ashamed of it, and we have made people's lives so crowded with expectations and needs that there's no way to actually get there. In fact, something else is gonna have to die in order to revive Sabbath because there's so many things living in its place in our lives. I found that to be true. When God spoke to me about this time last year about sustainability, that sounded wonderful. I'm like, wow, it sounds great. I didn't realize that sustainability was going to require sacrifice, on my part, of things that I liked but were driving me into the ground. Hebrews chapter four is a great uh, expect or a great uh, picture of this, and I'll read out of there. If you want to turn there, you can. But in Hebrews chapter four, three and four, I won't read the whole passage. But the writer of Hebrews is addressing the early church, and he's saying, "Don't make the mistake that your Jewish predecessors made." God gave them Sabbath, he gave them a promised land, and they did Sabbath, and they went to the promised land, but they missed out on the whole purpose of Sabbath in the promised land. Don't do that. So he says, I'll pick up in chapter 4, verse 6, it says, so God's rest, whenever it says God's rest, he's talking about that Sabbath idea that started in Genesis 2. God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news, he's talking about the Jews in the Old Testament, particularly in the Exodus story, those, the, the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted from earlier in the book, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Sound Life Church, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Tomorrow when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Anytime you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't ignore it. Don't move beyond it. Don't excuse it. Respond. Even in your imperfection, do not harden your heart. Because what we see through the nation of Israel is that God has provided everything we need to flourish, but it's only our hardening of our own hearts that keeps God from blessing us. It's our resistance to him, it's our disobedience of the words he has spoken to us already. That we harden our hearts and say, God, I don't want your words to direct my life. I don't want your words in my soul, and my mind. And what we don't realize is we have cut off the only source of life in the world. The only thing that can bring life that has brought life. Don't harden your hearts. Verse 8, now if Joshua, who had led the Israelites into the promised land, had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying you can harden yourself to the word of God and you won't flourish in the word of God. You'll be exposed by it. The word of God is alive. It can't be stopped. It's not a neutral thing that we pass by. The word of God is alive. We say that and we're like, this is how powerful the word of God is. In the context there, he's saying, you cannot escape the word of God. You can receive it or reject it, but the word of God is alive and powerful, more alive than you are, more powerful than you are. And it knows to the depths of your heart whether you're soft to God or hardened to God. It's kind of a, I mean, Hebrews is kind of a scary book. Just be careful when you read that, right? But he's warning us. He's saying, here's what he says about the rest. He says, the Sabbath rest, which was symbolized by the Israelites escaping slavery, being told, hey, in slavery, you worked seven days a week, 24 seven. There was no rest in slavery. It's a great sign of slavery, by the way. There's no break from it. Slavery, I, set, I set you free from slavery and I am commanding you, top 10 rules, In fact, that's at the top of the list of the top 10 rules, right? Right after keeping God as your number one God, he says, keep the Sabbath day holy. So stop working as a slave and rest one day a week in a God kind of rest. And then he says, then I'm going to take you into a promised land where you're going to see the best of what I have for you. And the Israelites, they did okay with following the rule, and they eventually got to the promised land. But what he's addressing here is all the people that died in the wilderness because they refused to hear God's voice. They did not want to hear God's voice. And so what happened as a result is they didn't experience the blessings of Sabbath, and they didn't experience the blessings of the promised land. They squandered those blessings. And he says, but God had in mind all along to give us that blessing somehow anyway. And he said, the good news for you is that that day is today. I love when the Bible says today is the day because for all of eternity, every day will be that day, right? 2 Corinthians 6, today is the day of salvation. Every day is a good day to get saved, right? Today is the day to enter God's rest. Every day is a good day to begin experiencing the peace and the joy and the life-giving nature of God, but the rhythm that sustains that is Sabbath, And he says here, I want you to enter that rest. This is a twofold scripture. Sometimes scripture means something for now and for eternity. Often in the New Testament, it's that way. We are meant to experience the Sabbath rest of God now in a broken world, and later it will characterize all of eternity. Enjoying the work of God, enjoying the adventure of God, enjoying the creative power of God will characterize our eternity. It will be a long list of, wow, did you see that? God won't run out. Oh, that's another sermon I wanna preach. But here's the reality, that we're supposed to live in that now and the way that we sustain it in a broken world that seeks to enslave us is the habit of Sabbath. The The way that we sustain what Jesus purchased for us on the cross and has waiting for us in eternity and we experience it right now is through the consistent practice of Sabbath. It's through taking the space in our lives to rest in God, to enjoy God, to enjoy the goodness of God that he's brought in our lives. And we all have a different different mixture of brokenness and goodness in our lives, don't we? The fact that you're here breathing oxygen today says that there is a mixture of goodness and brokenness in your life. Sabbath is when we take a break from thinking about the brokenness and we just focus on the goodness. We focus on what God has given us that is good in a broken world. Sabbath is not just an old rule from the Old Testament. Sabbath is a grace that God built into creation even before sin entered the world. It's a grace that we will enjoy for all of eternity and it's a grace that sustains us in a broken world that wants to enslave us. Sabbath is a grace. And here's the thing, you know, Sabbath is not gonna be one of those things where it's like, okay, everybody, you better Sabbath and here's how you're gonna Sabbath and if you don't Sabbath, you know where you're going. Right, that's not what it's meant to be. In fact, Jesus corrected the Pharisees on that all the time. He's like, you're missing Sabbath! Sabbath isn't this heavy-handed rule. Sabbath isn't this thing that I'm gonna beat you with. Sabbath is for you to be rejuvenated. God put Sabbath here for you, not for him. God doesn't need you to stop and slow down. He's not like me with my kids sometimes where I'm like, I need you just to stop asking questions and give daddy a minute to catch up. That's not God. God's like, stop and let's enjoy what we did. Stop and let me show you some good things that you're missing right now. Stop and and enjoy some of the relationships in your life. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Enjoy the fact that in a broken world, I've still done good things. Just stop for a minute and enjoy it. Now, we all are aware of people that take it to the other extreme and they're like, I'm just on a, I'm on a seven day Sabbath every week. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. I got some for you too, all right? Remember, Jesus, God God set a proportion, six on, one off, right? He has a plan for our work and for our purpose, and if you're a driven, work-oriented, task-oriented person, praise the Lord. There's a good place for that too. But you need to limit it with some rest. It's not just a rule, it's a grace. And what we see in scripture is that the opposite is also true, that rejecting Sabbath is actually a human declaration of self-sufficiency. When we don't Sabbath, we say, God, I don't need you. I've got this on my own. When we don't take a day and stop working on the things that we want to work on because they feed our ego and make us feel more secure and more proud of ourselves, when we don't stop and Sabbath, we are literally saying to God, I don't need you. I'm doing this on my own. It's one of the things that actually, in the midst of, of all the prophetic, uh, the prophetic corrections of Israel, one of the big things is that they stopped Sabbathing. They were wealthy, they were self-indulgent, they were abusive of weaker people in their lives, and they didn't Sabbath. So it never got corrected. The problem that we face like I said earlier, is that we are far too distracted to hear the sustaining voice of God. Most Christians these days do not hear the voice of God or sense his presence on a regular basis because we don't stop to listen. We don't stop to listen. Have you ever had a human relationship like that? Jeanette and I have had some seasons of our marriage where we were functioning okay, but we had to stop and say, can we talk about something other than just how to get through the next week? Like, let's have relationship, not just function. Yes. And I think sometimes as Christians, God's saying the same thing to us. Is like, can, can you just stop only calling on me when you need me to get you through another week? Can we enjoy relationship together? We're far too distracted, and if we're not careful, our hearts just naturally get hardened to his voice. One of the saddest things I see sometimes is Christians who have known God for a number of years, but slowly, over decades of ignoring him, their hearts are hardened and they don't hear his voice like they used to. I've seen that tendency in myself if I'm not careful. I get used to what I already know of God and I stop seeking him and pursuing him and enjoying him. And the solution that God put in place is time and space with nothing to distract us. Time and space to put aside all the distractions. The distractions, and here's the hard part, most Christians are scared to leave those distractions aside. Most human beings, we find comfort in our, I'm, I'm so busy, I'm so busy that I just, I don't have time. And we find identity and comfort in how busy we are when it's really just a lie covering up the fact that we're uncomfortable being alone with ourselves. time and space with nothing to distract us. The biblical challenge of Sabbath is to take 24 hours. Can you imagine 24 hours to push pause on our problems and productivity and to push play on God's provision and presence? Now, we'll talk over the next couple of weeks about all of the ways that God meant for his provision and presence to be experienced through some of the normal aspects of life. You know, Sabbath is not just you like sitting on your knees and meditating on God for 24 hours. There, There might be moments of that and pieces of that, but Sabbath is about experiencing the best parts of human existence with God rather than racing by them without God. We'll talk about that, but, but I want you to think about this. Mostly, it's w- what we're gonna have to do and the sacrifice that we have to make to enjoy the rewards of Sabbath is that pushing pause on our problems and productivity. To actually say enough is enough. To actually say, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm, I haven't solved this problem yet, and now I'm gonna have to wait 24 hours for, 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 to keep working on it. Like, I'm gonna have to trust you to not let the problem get worse for 24 hours. And God's probably gonna be like, by the way, I could solve that problem for you in one second. So I think you can trust me. It starts with that core belief that actually hearing God's voice is more important than anything else you could do with your time. That hearing God's voice is more important than any level of productivity you're capable of. Hearing God's voice is more important than any amount of money that you can make. Hearing God's voice is more important than any emergency or crisis that is calling for your attention. Hear that. Hearing God's voice is more important than any emergency or crisis that is calling for your attention. The sign of a humanistic world is that we think that we are our greatest source of solutions. Sabbath is us admitting that we are not our greatest source. Push pause on our problems and productivity and enjoy God's blessings in your life with him. That's where the provision of God, sometimes it's good to take a, take a day off and enjoy the fact that God has provided for all your needs. Sometimes it's good to eat a meal and thank God that you're not starving that day. Sometimes it's good to stop and invite God into the moment and enjoy his presence. And so uh, another way to say it is you've got 24 hours to stop stressing and enjoy his blessing. You like that? Stop stressing! Stop stressing! Enjoy his blessing. Some of you need to say that to your spouse, but say it with like a twinkle in your eye, not like a guilt trip, okay? (laughs) Stop worrying, stop working, stop doing and enjoy good things in your life with gratitude towards God. And for those of you that are doers, focus that energy on God. For those of you that are not doers, focus some energy on God right? I I can honestly say this. I've been thinking about this for several weeks. If there's one thing that I want for our church this year, it's to learn to truly Sabbath. Now, we'll talk more about that. It's not just taking a day off. Sabbath means something. Sabbath rejuvenates your soul. Sabbath will literally contribute to the healing of your body and your mind and your emotions. It's been proven. But Sabbath is most important to your spirit, there's one thing I want for us. It's to learn to Sabbath so that we can hear God's mo- voice more clearly. Because I believe that whether your pastor falls apart, your church falls apart, our nation falls apart, our world falls apart, if you learn to Sabbath and hear God's voice, you're going to be okay. And I truly believe that if you have the greatest pastor and the greatest church and the greatest nation and the greatest world that you can imagine, if you don't learn to hear God's voice, you will not be okay. You will be a slave. You'll be a slave. And that would be a sad thing considering what Jesus has done for you on the cross. I need it. Jeanette and I are trying to figure out Sabbath rhythms. We're trying to figure out what that looks like. We haven't had it modeled for us. Our culture doesn't give us permission to do that. Our job creates complications with that. Our, our, you know, different people in the same household create complications to that. But, you know, we're committed to hearing God's voice and making space for him to be glorified in our lives and our home. We need that. And if we don't do that, we're failing you. You need it too. We need it. I want my children to grow up with an understanding of the kind of God pace that he created them for. I want that for you. And so you know where this is going. My challenge to you is to, uh, there, there's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Well, I think I'm getting that title right, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I love that phrase, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry in Your Life. I want you to ruthlessly eliminate the obstacles to Sabbath in your life. I want you to set apart 24 hours a week to stop anything that doesn't help you worship God. If something helps you worship God, you know, every now and then I put a bite of food in my mouth, and I'm like, God, this is so awesome, like, there are practical things in life that help you worship God. There are moments when, you know, there are moments when I take my wife on a date and I'm like, wow, Lord, thank you. That is amazing. I'm thankful for my marriage. You know, there are moments where, you know, I'm playing a board game with my kids and I'm like, wow, God, this is a great thing. Now, there are lots of moments the opposite of those things, too. Right? There's moments when I'm just shoving food in my face and not caring where it came from. There's moments where I'm not appreciating the marriage, the family, the people God's put in my life. There's moments where I'm just complaining about what I don't like about my house or my job or I like everything about my job. But you know, (laughs) there's moments, right? Rather, and so 24 hours where you don't do anything that distracts you from glorifying God, and you only do things that help you glorify God. The good things that help you glorify God. I want you to set apart 24 hours a week to stop anything that doesn't help you worship him and give that space to God and to the people he's placed in your life. You know, church should be a part of that. That's the goal is that church would be a part of it if your schedule, your work schedule and all that permits. But um, church is meant to be a part of that, but not the whole of it. And I'll tell you this, it's not going to be easy, but it will be worth it. It will be worth it. And that is your homework this week, is to chew on that and to think through and to start messing with your schedule. Start aligning things. Start having conversations. If you're, you know, in a spouse or roommate or something where that's hard, start talking about how am I gonna do this? But let's build a habit, as Pastor Terry talked about, not just make a moment. Let's engage in the covenant that God has offered us this year. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, there's something that, that I had in my heart and, and our pastoral team did a good job of putting together for you. I'm actually super pumped about this because sometimes it's the little things that release the big things in our lives. And we put together just a, a simple Sound Life Church journal. And there's some instructions on the inside of how to use a journal for the purpose of hearing God's voice. And that's the goal of this, is not for you to just express yourself, although that's fine if you're expressing yourself to God. The goal is for you to express yourself to God and hear God expressing himself to you. It's centered around the word. There's some, some keys in there of how we're going to help you meditate on certain scriptures from the Bible reading plan. And I would honestly say if you can't handle the Bible reading plan, if that just is, is a lot for you to bite off right now in your stage of faith, that's okay. But practice meditating on a scripture passage a week. And there's instructions in there for each day how to meditate a little differently on that scripture passage that will be. Communicating and posting and handing out and all those kinds of things. But why am I handing this to you? Because Sabbath is not just about emptying yourself. You know, our culture has figured that out. There's this movement to empty ourselves. But can I tell you, a human being was built to be full. You were built to be filled with something. That's why demons have such an easy time making play of human beings because we were meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're meant to be full of God's word. We're meant to be full of life overflowing. And when we let other voices into our lives, we end up being full of all sorts of other things. So this journal is a tool to help you Sabbath. A little bit of Sabbath each day, a few few moments, the presence of God, invite the word of God, the presence of God into each day. And it should be a part of your 24-hour rhythm too here's the cool thing, God doesn't care about your spelling or your penmanship or any of that other kind of stuff. But I found that a journal really helps a distracted mind in a busy life focus your thoughts of what you are saying to God and what God is saying to you. That's the goal, is that in light of the word of God, we speak to God about what we're feeling and thinking and experiencing, everything he wants to hear at all. And we write down our own personal record of what he's saying to us. So we're gonna end the service with a worship song, just proclaiming our need for God, that we need to hear his voice, we need his presence. But I would encourage you to follow up on what Pastor Terry illustrated with the covenant that Jesus made with us. I want you to make a covenant with God this year that you're going to make space to hear his voice. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect at Sabbath, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at all this stuff, but you're going to move towards sustainability you're gonna move towards making space to hear God's voice. And if that's a covenant that you're willing to make during this next worship song, you need to articulate it with your own voice. God can hear you even when everybody else can't. And then I want you at some point to come down to this altar. You know, we turn these steps into a sacred meeting place. And if you are making that covenant with God, I'm gonna make space to meet with you and hear your voice. I want you to come take one of these journals as a symbol of that covenant, a reminder of that covenant. It's both a sacrifice and a gift, like Pastor Terry said so well to us in communion time. It's a sacrifice for you to discipline yourself to use it. It's a gift from God that he wants to speak into your life. Does that make sense? But covenant, proclaim your need to hear God's voice and covenant to him to make the space. Here's the thing, you make the space, God's gonna speak. He's already speaking. You make the space, you're gonna hear what he's already speaking to you. This is a tool to just help you do that. It's a sign of a covenant step that you're taking to hear God's voice. Let's take this together, Sound Life Church. But let's start by proclaiming our need for Jesus. And as you're ready, come and grab a journal.
1: Lord, I come, I confess, bowing I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, sin runs deep. Your grace is more where grace is Teach my song, come on church, sing it out.
0: do doesn't seem like there's any season of life that is just easy right we need the rejuvenation of God's life-giving voice in our lives you know I uh, first discovered I I don't personally just love journaling but it's a habit that has been built into my life when I was first a Christian um, my school counselor happened to be a Christian and she found out that I had given my life to Jesus at a youth ministry And so she would talk to me about Jesus and I was struggling with some other things going on so I would have regular meetings with our school counselor. And at one point, she would would talk to me about Jesus and pray with me and things like that, just an awesome uh, mentor in my life. And at one point, she bought me a journal and she said, I want you to start using this to write down what your thoughts are towards God. She's like, it's a powerful way of praying that helps you really articulate the heart of the issue. And then I want you to write down, I want you to sit quietly and I want you to write down some of the thoughts and impressions that come to your mind after that and process those in prayer and, and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. And she's like, the more that you read scripture, the more that you're going to clarify what God is speaking to you. That's the reality of this. And I hope that as we make space for God, I hope that you'll, you'll use that even if you don't feel like you're a journaler. And now there's, there's a stack of about 16, 17 journals in my cabinet of just not because I love journaling or love my own handwriting or any of that kind of stuff, but because God keeps speaking and I want to hear his voice. It's been a reliable tool for me when I've made space for him to speak. I hope it will be that way for you because this year we need to be people that hear the voice of God. Through his word, first and foremost through his spirit bringing to life his word inside of us. So we'll be publishing a scripture each week and we'll have lists printed for you next week if you want one of those at the welcome table and those kinds of things. But that'll help you give you something to meditate. But anytime you're in the Bible reading plan, write down scriptures what God's speaking. Take sermon notes if that helps you to do that and write down what God's speaking to you out of the sermon, those kinds of things. Let's be people that practice. You know what the beautiful thing is? When God sees that, he's like, they're softening their heart. That's not a hard heart. That's a heart that wants to hear my voice. That's some good soil to plant some seed in. I'm going to speak more. I'm going to speak louder. I'm going to speak more clearly. And let's do that in the context of Sabbath. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But can I pray a blessing over you? And my blessing for you this year is that you would hear God's voice speaking to you personally. Because when you hear his voice, it's the beginning of healing in our bodies and minds. When you hear his voice, it's the beginning of direction in difficult decisions. When you hear his voice, it satisfies the longings of your soul that are not being met in your human relationships. When you hear his voice, it begins to solve all the other broken things in our lives. So Father, I pray for my family, for Sound Life Church, that we would learn to be attentive to your voice that we would ruthlessly eliminate the noise of our lives and our own minds that keeps us from giving you our full attention at least once a week, hopefully every day. Father, I pray that through Sabbath rhythms and journals and Bible reading plans that we wouldn't just build a religion for ourselves, but we would find rhythms of relationship that you pour out your grace and your healing your truth and your wisdom on our lives and so father I pray that you would just help us to cultivate soft hearts to hear your voice soft hearts to hear your word soft hearts to be rejuvenated and renewed in your presence and we thank you for it in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen